Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piscor. I'm Jim Rugg. And I'm Tom Scholey. And it's uh, the third uh, birthday of Cartoonist Kayfabe, man. Uh, November 5th. Uh, remember, remember. The 5th of November, dude. If it weren't for copyrights, we would all be singing. <laughs> and, and maybe have those our uh, Guy Fox gimmicks yes. uh, on our faces, man. It's been fun, fellas. Three years, man. I, that's hard for me to believe. Feels Sometimes it feels like it's a few months. Sometimes it feels like it's a decade. <laughs> it kind of depends, man. It, it it's been feels, uh, an interesting three years, that's for sure. feels quick to me because I think we're all agreeing to punt 2020 yeah. and just pretend like that shit didn't even happen. Yeah, but it, this has provided uh, a great oasis for me uh, throughout the week, going through those struggles of of twenty twenty, and even, you know, even sort of the the harsh conditions of stuff that we've been dealing with this year. Uh, cartoonist Kayfabe is always here. I always get a chance to talk with my homeboys about comics and forget about nonsense. Yeah. I used to always say like our car rides to to heroes oh, sure, or to yeah. these shows were like my master's degree of how to make yes. comics yeah. in some ways like this show is sort of like the phd uh, you know like I'm, I'm, I'm pulling comics out every week i'm probably reading certainly more diligently than i was before this show yeah um and looking at stuff that i a lot of rereads you know these classic comics that we've been pulling out and talking about the last couple of years it's like it really is kind of like that PhD, like intense study. Like, yes. let's go back and reread these classics or these these books that meant everything to me whenever I was a kid. The chance to reread them and go through them, um, it's really been informative to that part of my practice. You look at those comics in, in, in a different in a different way when you know you have to verbalize the stuff that you might have been absorbing like intuitively, and then you have to think. It's also a lesson in storytelling because now you have to think about how to articulately yeah. express yourself. You also get that part of like. I'm totally different 20 years, 25, That's 30 true. years later. And some of the stuff that I gave no credit to the first time is some of the most revelatory thing to look at now. And conversely, some of the stuff that I was like, this is my favorite comic ever, I reread it and kind of go, hmm, that was my favorite <laughs> comic when I was 13. I said, Maybe not ever. <laughs> the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, man. We have boxes of comics here because we like the Ken Brusniak lettering. <laughs> That's how it works, man. <laughs> I get so many comments about uh, how much I like lettering from people. Really? <laughs> like no. very random kind of it comments. Is, it, is, it is a rare thing, and, and it's important, and so many... Like, the the industry has sort of agreed that lettering does not matter one bit. That's that's the industry consensus. And so, you know, you're, you stand out if you're somebody who's like, wait a second. You're spending... Most of your time looking at the page is looking at the words. So maybe spruce them up a little. You know? I had this revelation... Yes, Tuesday, Tuesday this week. So rare I remember when something happens like this. But it was the idea that like, you know, you're one of the strengths of comics is one person's creating them, right? So it's sort of like my idea in my brain and with pictures and words, I'm going to give it to you and you put it in your brain. And it's kind of neat compared to say a film or TV show or something like that where it's like 300 people or 1,100 people or something are, are doing stuff here. It's not the same. But comics have that thing of like one person to one person. The writing, the hand lettering of, of your comic, that's a big part of it because sure. that's what you're responding to. It, it is this form of like written communication, even with the art and images and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And to remove the writing part is taking a big chunk of that personal connection away from it. Yes. Right. Well said. Well said. Yeah. But again, like try <laughs> tell that to the rest of the industry. But again, it, it creates a nice opportunity for the people who do focus on their letters. It's certainly not the only way to connect to comics, but that personal connection is something I've responded to over the years. Yeah. And some of it's self-interest. I want to make comics. So I'm looking at these comics that are made by one person. But there is definitely a group of readers that have that, that where that connection is important and, and a group of works where that connection is important. And I think in that case, 
one more one more uh, reason for the hand lettering and the impact and value of hand lettering in the, in that connection. Yeah, I'm sold because I was I was a skeptic of hand lettering <laughs> and now I'm a convert, a, 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 a passionate convert. How your life I, I'm sure has improved. <laughs> yes, yeah, in all kinds of ways. I have a couple of dates coming up next week that I want to get out to the KFAB okay. audience, man. Uh, some Red Room related stuff. Uh, the Anti-Social Network uh, trade paperback collection is going to be available in the book trade on Tuesday the uh, 9th. So Wednesday the 10th, that trade paperback is going to be hitting comic shops. And if you see it at the comic shop, you're interested, you got to scoop it up because Amazon ended up buying, I think, actually more than half the print run. So all the comic shops in the universe now have to vie for that other half in a world war where the uh, supply chain issues are what they are and paper shortages and all that. Who knows when the reprint of this trade paperback will hit the hit the stands, you know. I'm picturing an Amazon rep at the docks in LA as the as the package is being unloaded and they're reading it and going, yeah, we got, we'll take 75% of these and send them to the Amazon warehouse. What, what, from what I understand that like their book buyer, however that works, their YouTube aficionados, sure, yeah. like they know the cartoonist kayfabe audience. One would hope that the comic shops are also and you know, keeping their, their, their eyes to the to the digital streets, as it were. One other piece, man. Uh, early next week is final order cutoff for Red Room, Trigger Warnings, issue number one. And we, uh, on Thursday, uh, unveiled the variant covers for that first issue run. I have a variant with the, uh, the it's the Rat Queens I'm issue. I'm going to hold this up. You just keep talking, it. Yeah, man. Look at that shit right there, baby. That's the Jim mm. Rugg variant, man. Your store orders 10 copies of Red Room. They're going to be able to order the, the Jim Rugg Zap Comics Zero <laughs> variant cover, which the black and white is fresh, no doubt. It's dope. But it doesn't do the complete cover justice until you see how he approximated that watercolor color set that uh, Robert Crumb was able to do with that first Zap Comics issue. I like to think of it as a collaboration with Crumb. <laughs> I, I get it, man. That, you know, like, that shit is so fresh. So I don't know if I put the finished version up on screen because this is pre-production. So let me just make sure that we get that Jim Rugg cover in its true unaltered glory right there, man. It was a fun one to do. All of them have been enjoyable, but... Uh... This one really kind of popped. You, you know, be, sometimes they come together in ways you don't expect, and this one was a happy, happy accident in you, some ways. You've become a cottage industry within the <laughs> Red Room universe with your variants. Everybody's always looking forward to the next one, but uh, another cottage industry of variant covers is my homie uh, in the land of the rising sun, Peach Momoko. Uh, she receives Eisner Awards for her cover work, man, and she's a homie, so... Get your homies on board with your stuff. She drew a fantastic Mistress Pentagram that is uh, another variant cover to go along with Red Room Trigger Warnings issue number one. The way stuff played out uh, that first round, man. The first Red Room comic, top-selling Fantagraphics comic ever. Second top-selling comic, hmm. Red Room issue number four. You see? Yeah, interesting. So let's see <clears throat> if we could, you know, keep keep that trajectory rolling, man. You know, we didn't do so much advanced promo on Trigger Warnings Issue 1 because we had the trade paperback, but uh, it's out there. The retailers know the deal. And, Jimmy, you and I, I think on Tuesday, the the 9th, are going to be doing like a a, a book uh, presentation uh, opening thing uh, at uh, Floating World, handling it digitally. 
you know, we're going to be using uh, the, the powers of our webcams and Yeti microphones to handle that. But, uh, you know, doing that for Floating World makes a lot of sense, man, because in the past 20 years, they're like one of the coolest publishers to come along, man. I'm excited for that. I, I went to some of those whenever Adrian Tomini was doing them for uh, his latest book. And it's kind of cool, you know, it's a very focused discussion. So that's what we'll be doing is talking Red Room, basically the first four issues that trade paperback. And, um, you know, I, I think that they have, maybe they will have some questions from the crowd possibly, but it should be a fun discussion. And uh, I like doing this, like however you interact with these bookstores, because I know they'll bring people that are their, their people, um, you know, it'd be a chance once again to put, put your comic in front of some, some new faces and to just really kind of dig into it. Now, we took a look at this, Zap Comics homage cover piece of original artwork that uh, that you created for for a Red Room, but that is not going to be the last piece of original art we're going to take a look at here on this weekly, because Uncle Jeff Darrow, <laughs> he was in France for a while, but he came over he came to the states for a minute, had some business out there in Glittertown, out there in Hollywood, man. Uh, so he was on our shores, which meant cheaper shipping rates and safer shipping rates than trying to get things to us from across the pond. And I got a poster tube from Uncle Jeff, man. This thing right here. And he sent us some original art, you know? Cause he, cause he's, cause he's, he's our brother from another mother. And you've been, you've been kind of torturing us Red Room style, Ed, making us <laughs> wait to see that artwork in person. So here's a piece that he did for you, Tom. Yeah, I like it. He says he likes your work a lot. And even though I think it's upside, it's upside down. down, yeah. Oh, but they're underwater, <laughs> so it could still work. Yeah, check that piece out, man. That's pretty freaking sick. That's amazing. That is really great. I love seeing his his actual lines on paper like that. So clean and uh, just a great drawer. Virtuoso is a drawer. Wow. Now, Thanks, now, Jeff. Now, now here's now here's the thing. Yes, thank you so much, Uncle Jeff. Here's the thing, Jimmy. I didn't even really like look at this fully yet either because I wanted to check it out like uh, and get like a real proper reaction. So he said, Ed, keep one, give one to Jimmy. And what it is, it's the cover to uh, his Red Room variant cover that he did for us. Whoa. I don't even think it's going to be able to be seen on screen. Come wow. <laughs> it looks like it's like blueprints. Yeah, it's <laughs> wild. Oh my goodness. Here, man. You get the pencils. We try to... Man. Dude, hold yours up. <laughs> hold yours up right next to this, man. Seeing the size explains a lot, like how he's able to get all that. You know what this is? Tom, can you grab the, yeah, sure. that side, those corners on that side? This is some Da Vinci code. Like, you have one half of the puzzle. I have the other half, man. With our powers combined, we could almost get some glimmer of understanding of how... Jeff Darrow's process works. You know what's wild is like, I look at the pencils, I look at the inks, and both of them look like a machine produced them. One They're to perfect. One. They're just perfect. One to one. Like, it's literally arbitrary choosing one or the other, but just because it's like, you know, this is what was printed. Like, I'm going to, I'll, I'll take this one. Uh, it has rapidly become my prized possession. It's incredible. Yes. Yeah. Just mind-blowing. And uh, may, maybe worthy of an upcoming art episode, Ed, where we can do a high-res scan or something to really show off. It just blows my mind. <laughs> as, as it a, really feels like that power. You know, we've looked at original yeah. art on this show, things like a Jack Kirby page. And I remember, like, there's a feeling of, like, touching these yeah. and seeing these things in person. 
where it does feel like this you're getting something more than just a beautiful piece yeah. like there's some energy that comes there's off that of these like like uh it's like awe it's this like feeling that you get like in the base of of your of your person you know jimmy three years ago man i come to you with this idea i see these uh i see these retro video game youtube channels they're taking a look at nintendo power going page by page i'm thinking of doing this youtube thing man where i have these wizard magazines collecting dust let's do the comic version of that and unpack this shit did you think that a couple years later you would own a piece of Jeff Darrow original You know artwork? what, man? I was going to say, it was a little confusing to me at first. You had to show me kind of the videos, and I'm looking at your vision board, and that part with the Jeff Darrow original art seems <laughs> impossible to predict, Ed. Vision board? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, you know, this whole show is kind of, the longer this show progresses, the further it gets from whatever original ideas I had. You see that signed Hacksaw Jim Duggan 2x4 back there? It might be obscured by the lamp a little bit. That's a perfect example. <laughs> uh, especially considering the origins of that and uh, happy to see Hacksaw kick out of emergency surgery this this past week so keep fighting the good fight Hacksaw you know we're gonna need another two by four to avoid uh, you know too much of a, of a split here that's that's the truth and uh, Uncle Jeff is heading back to France as of uh, this recording safe travels Uncle Jeff thank you so much for this fantastic artwork like it sincerely is a prized possession of mine that, like, I held off. This tube came 10 minutes after you yeah, guys right after we left, left last <laughs> recording session. And I did my best to try not to look too closely to try to preserve that for, for the air. I'm going to be sitting with this thing routinely. The, the funny part of this is going to be my wife hates comics. Right, sure. And then you think about the subject matter of that drawing once I hang, <laughs> get it framed and put it on the, the wall. Hanging the living room, yeah, yes. above the couch. Did she see this? What did she think of this? You know what, so I don't think I showed her that. There, there's a rat being like, you only see half the, of, of a rat right there. Like, where's the other half? Hey, that's not me. This is, <laughs> that's Red Room, man. Don't, don't put that on me. If you uh, go to the, uh, the the Red Room trade paperback, man, in the director's commentary uh, section, there are several sections where I cite Jim Rugg as being the inspiration. <laughs> the real life <laughs> inspiration. Now, they didn't find the skulls under his stairs yet. So no, not, no. not real life. But, you know, I, I drew things one way and he was like, how about this? How about that? And I'm like, Jim, you're spot on, sir. It's, it's just comic book talk. It's comic book talk. <laughs> Um, you know, one last note, or maybe not, on the Jeff Darrow artwork, meeting Jeff Darrow, you know, having him on here in, a, in one of our great shoot interviews. People love that interview, of course. Um, it's all the things that have happened as a result of Cartoonist Kayfabe that I never anticipated that I sit here three years and I think, like, what do the next three years hold? Yeah. You know, from, from meeting cartoonists that I admired or had questions for and being able to actually ask them that, but just the whole everything that's come out of this channel most of it for me was unplanned. I always say, like, we start talking wizard, and I was like, does the camera work? You know, does the microphone work? There was no, I had no inkling of, like, what's the audience reaction to this? Well, you know, how, how will people respond? And uh, it's been amazing. Like, that's one of been, you know, I'd hate to say a huge surprise, but maybe just not planned. I wasn't thinking three years in the future, you know, in, in uh, 2018, whenever we start, sat down and start recording these. I knew this would be huge. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be huge. I thought it was going to be huger. I thought I thought that you know beyond like cable by now, you know, like have have like the the cartoonist kayfabe channel like on your you know remote. So I, I like we, that. We, there's still I, a ways to I go. Think you're Give right. me some I think time. You're right. Yeah, there's still a ways time, to go. Man, the kayfabe crew, like the 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 noobs. Here's the deal, man. Like I was taking a look at our numbers with the, with the shirts and stuff, right? And 
We have 50,000 subscribers. We sell 16,000 shirts. Let's bump it up to at least 25. We need to have like some one of these magic events like Grant Morrison when everybody masturbates to keep in, Invisibles alive. <laughs> we need to have one where like everybody wears their kayfabe shirt the same day, like a kayfabe day. You know what, man? There's somebody is doing like a TikTok challenge and he's putting the call out that he's like, yeah, you know, this is this is a platform for maybe, you know, younger people, whatever. Uh, but I know that there's kayfabers out there, man. Wear your kayfabe shirt. Wear it proud, man. Make your TikTok video. I, I, you know, maybe I'll download TikTok and see what the hell's happening. Say, <laughs> that might be one. Man, my wife will be pissed whenever kayfabe stuff starts showing up on her TikTok feed. <laughs> that would be the greatest kayfabe moment of my life in some way. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I can't wait. You know, I feel like it's a little premature to, to, to announce uh, our, our sort of one convention that we'll be doing because I just want... To definitely have that yes, plane ticket right, yeah. ready ready to go. But we'll see the duality. We'll see the juxtaposition. We'll see the yin-yang to her, to her, to her experience. Because she might be having fun in the sun. But then she's going to have to hear just random dudes on the street. Oh, Jim, read more comics. <laughs> uh, Let's more hope comics. so. Um, I, I, have a, uh, I have an appeal to the kayfabe nation out there. Please. Early on in our shows, when we started doing these weeklies, I was looking for an Electra Assassin Bill Sienkiewicz poster. Dave Howlett, uh, Halifax. Paschetti com Western. Comes through, man, and hooks me up. And uh, Comic Maker, I think, is his current title that he's drawing. So plug for that. But the, the kayfabe audience has been great. They've sent us all kinds of stuff that we've looked for, questions we've had they've answered. This is what I'm looking for now for everybody watching this. When I was a kid, I wrote to Marvel, they used to have a submission guide that they would mail out. And it was just one page, might have been front and back. I can't find it anywhere, and I would love to take a look at that document now. I had it when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. It emphasized storytelling, you know, what they were looking for in pencilers and inkers and all these different things. I can't believe I haven't found it online. It seems like that should be posted somewhere. So if anybody has one of those, or if it is online somewhere, share a link. I, I, I need to reread that thing. I need to look at it because I think a lot of what I valued as like an aspiring cartoonist came out of that document and i'm curious to take a look at that one 30 years later yeah man yeah i remember it was it was a two-page thing whenever i sent sent off to is that is that the same thing or i mean it, it really like i must have been 13 or 14 like i i i remember it as like i think a front and a back but it's so vague like whatever shows up could be exactly what it was and, and it may be very different than my memory of it but uh i've been looking for it kind of you know googling and, and stuff mm -hmm. like that and can't find it so i'm sure someone else i'm sure it exists out there somewhere point me at it i, I would be appreciative and uh, i want to throw out some numbers 10 million views We've, 10 we, million, we, we yeah, passed 10 crazy. million views recently you mentioned 50,000 subscribers great numbers these are awesome and it's you know thank you to the kayfabers out there uh one for subscribing and for watching but also for sharing it uh, we've done no advertising for Cartoonist Kayfabe. All of our growth comes from all of you at home who share this with everybody, who share it at your comic shop, share it with your online friends. When you guys see an episode that you like, that's how we know. Do more of these, uh, you know, mm -hmm. how-to videos, more, more, you know, whatever it is. The good videos are how we know you want to see more of that particular era or that type of video or that subject matter. So share those things. Let us know what you like by continuing to put those in front of like-minded friends, you know. Um, I think we're just scratching the surface of people who love mm -hmm. comics and what this can appeal to. So keep putting it out there. Put it out on your social media. Put it out in real life. And uh, we'll keep making these videos. We we recorded some interesting new, new styles of videos here, here today uh, a little bit earlier. And it's going to be fun to see how those things... 
play out uh, with with the kayfabe audience. Definitely, and I I don't I, I forget to plug this as often as I should, but we also have an audio feed that you can get. You know, Spotify, um, Apple Music, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to listen on your commute, you know, some of this stuff I think works really well as audio. And uh, one of the videos that we recorded today might be a, a perfect video for that. Yeah, so definitely. Uh, keep that in mind. You know, if you if you want Cartoonist Kayfabe as a podcast, if that fits your life better, we're available there too. Speaking of podcasts, man, I have to give shouts out to uh, the dudes at this th- last podcast on the left. They've been referencing uh, it's a it's a huge podcast. Like I don't know anything, man. I'm just making comments all day, you know. <laughs> yeah. But that's the new world. <laughs> there, there's somebody. There's a dude on there, and I think these guys now like have a DC comic, like some sort of black label comic, something like that, man. But this, somebody on that podcast, they reference Red Room. And when Wait, they... Last House on the Left, that's not a real estate podcast? <laughs> last podcast on the left. <laughs> and, uh, and their listeners let me know mm-hmm. whenever that dude mentions that stuff. So shouts to <laughs> that podcast, man, for, uh, for putting the good word out there. It seems like they're putting that energy out to the audience that would uh, receive the proper, uh, you know, red room subject matter and all that sort of stuff. But here's a question, man. Like we're, we're sort of winding down on time and stuff. We got to prepare for another shoot interview, man. Mm-hmm. But let's not do that before talking about the last one. How much were you guys buzzing after we talked with Scott McLeod last week? Yeah. I mean, it, it, uh, it felt, it felt like coming full circle in a lot of like, just like, I, I, I just remembered how like like me getting like super deep into like creating comics and stuff, you know, that book, you know, was that like that was kinda like my okay, I'm getting back into I'm older now, I'm getting back into comics and it was his and it was like, Oh yes, yeah, so it's like it almost like the air that we breathe, you know, the way we talk about comics, the way we think about comics, for me at least, kind of originated there. Yeah, I, I... Buzzing is the right word. I, I feel the same way. Like that is a guy who entered my comics. Uh, aware, you know, I became aware of him early in my reading, and he never really left. Like those mm-hmm. ideas of I continue to carry. So having a chance to like one talk to him about that and, and where he's at now, but also it's that chance to just be like, dude, yeah. the impact you've had on me, on comics, yeah. on many of us. Um, it's nice to give that have a chance to actually say that to to uh, to Scott, uh, not in person, but you know, in, in a conversation. And I just love seeing like how engaged he continues to be. It's incredible. Yeah. Like like this guy, he, it's he's <clears throat> with with understanding comics created a, a machine that sort of uh, allows him to just ex- explore his own philosophical ideas about about comics. Like he's not like you know a maester in Game of Thrones. Like he could just go off, do whatever he wants, work on pages as long as he wants you know just get so deep in the weeds and he it's okay like he's going to be all right man like yeah one thing that we didn't ask him and i thought about afterwards was how he's how he picks projects and does understanding comics free him up to do whatever he wants I'm sure virtually but when i thought about it you know on the ride home it's like it feels like every project he did before that was the same deal yeah. you know like when he when he talked about who knows? The book might sell six thousand. It might sell sixty thousand. Money's tight. Like understanding comics was one of those. It's mm-hmm. not like that was. Oh, I have these ideas, and this is this is the one that'll make the money. Yeah, here's a surefire. It was hit. more of yeah. I really want to get into this. Like he, yeah. you know, he talked about getting into it a little bit with with Zot and exploring some of the formal ideas behind comics. So I feel like all of his choices they seem like choices that he would have made regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, assuming that he had at least enough. 
room to make the choice to do the book that he wanted to do but it feels like they've always been that way and the success is sort of this other piece that comes with it but doesn't mean now i can do this book that i know isn't going to sell it feels like all his choices have always been that way of like i really want to make this thing you guys uh have you you saw understanding comics before zot mm-hmm. yeah me too right yeah so this is the only evidence i have of this guy like making a comic like like at that point before I really got into it, I maybe took a quick look or something. Uh, understanding comics, Scott McCloud never heard of this cat. There was a part of my mind, and it just like I sort of just remembered, like after like having the conversation, thinking about it, like my first interactions. There was a smidgen of uh, thought that. Uh, it might be like some blitz on cartooning. Right, who the fuck are you? <laughs> who, who is this guy telling me about uh, comics and, uh-huh. and, and all that? Because I had no context, really. Like, yeah. I, I, I knew Zot to see it. The name didn't ring a bell. I'm, I'm so young, you know? Right. Like, like I, I got... I don't have the one that has a Tundra. This is not a company. But I have, like, a second printing. You know, I got it in 1993 when I was in sixth grade. Uh, but I do remember... Like, that was something that just, like came to mind yeah. like i mean I upon got, recalling i got it in uh at like the carnegie mellon student bookstore in like you know the nine like 94 i think and there was just like a pallet of them because like you had to get it for a certain class I, di- I didn't have a class that taught it but i'm like this book looks pretty cool and i got it and it's just like you have it in this student bookstore so it's like this guy's an authority like i didn't question it for a second and and the way he sort of comes on in the book is kind of like, you know, especially when you're at a certain age, you're like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. All you got to do is read page one, and then it's like, <laughs> okay, this is not blitz on cartooning so, or so, whatever. Right, exactly. So, and his cosmology that he sets up, all his examples that he points to, I'm like, okay, well then these are all the great things. So like, to me, it's like Tezuka and Matt Fiesel are like the same <laughs> level. You know, they're all like, you know. It's, that's that. Which in a way they are. That's that important step too when you're when you're young and really getting into, into things, man. Uh, I feel like so many of my biggest influences are informed by uh, comics by Les Daniels, mm-hmm, Comic Book Confidential. Sure. Yeah. Like whenever uh, I would see some of the material from those documentaries just out in the wild, I would just have to get it, period, point blank. That's how I discovered Harvey Pekar and, you know, got to, to work with him. So like in your formative years, when you're seeing something that's kind of like doing a little bit of comic outreach, when, whenever your uh, whole landscape is the giant eagle spinner racks very helpful? Yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, while we're talking McLeod, um, I I want to mention Klaus Jansen and Dave Cooper interviews. Like the you know basically the last three interviews we've had. I don't know that we've had a uh, decompressed and talked about them here on the show, but think about the variety of those three cartoonists and like the professional paths they've walked. Those are three cartoonists that I think of as being hugely influential in my life and completely different directions that they go professionally. Um, it's been fantastic talking to all the people that we've talked to, but uh, those last three, I remember leaving each time being like, oh man, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I've got to now start back at the beginning of Dave Cooper and go through all of his work again and think about it. Or Klaus Jansen, you know, just um, it's been such a pleasant surprise to get into the weeds with some of these guys and really see, you know, I have a lot of ideas based on reading their work about where they're coming from and, and what they value, but actually hearing them talk about their processes. Um, I've been thrilled with these, th- this most recent round of interviews that we've been doing. Very, very illuminating and uh, very indicative of what the channel is 
sort of broad tastes and stuff. And I, it makes me think about that one page in Understanding Comics, which to me is like, you know, the mantra of cartoonist kayfabe. And it's that like, what is it? Like a nine panel grid. You see Robert Crumb, Carl Barks, Hergé, Rob Liefeld, Jacques Tardy. <laughs> Did I say Kirby? Yeah, uh, it's that's a spectacular page. I mean, that that's that's our mission statement page. You know what I mean? I, I mean, we called it out whenever we did the actual mm -hmm. video about understanding comics. Like, this is the most cartoonist kayfabe page of comics in existence. Yeah, I, I did an interview this week, and, and we were talking about this kind of thing, and I was saying how, like, I'm the first kayfaber. Right. Yeah, yeah. like, this stuff, these interviews... Uh, it's it's I'm glad everybody likes them and benefits from them, but I'm the one who benefits the most. Like it's stuff that I want to know. You know, it's answers that I can apply to my own work. And uh, yeah, we get to be view number one of a channel that I'm I'm down with. Yeah, a channel that I dig. You know that like I had a couple like super nerdy questions for Scott McCloud that I just you know and and usually I do and sometimes I'm able to slip in these super but like the one I didn't get to I might as well put out now is like when he saw the Matrix. Um. Was he like, because there, there, he did an issue of Zot called Zybox, which before the Matrix, and it's kind of the story of the Matrix. So I just wondered if when the Matrix came out, if he was like, wait a second, <laughs> I invented this. You know, <laughs> you know there's, there, there are a few pieces, I think, that you can go through history and pull out and be like, this is the Matrix yeah, before the, the Matrix. Well, it is like Star Wars, where there's enough people whose work seems like they got ripped off by Star Wars, where it's like, okay, well, maybe Star Wars is just a, a, a melange to use a, a Dune phrase you know there's uh the i think it's like the late silvestri issues of uh of x-men I, th I think it's like genosha like right before jim lee the genosian magistrates when they when they're moving and shaking and they're on our shores and they're trying to move from place to place they go to the phone booth and they hit a couple of buttons and they like get zapped through the phone <laughs> and go and go do shit yeah it's like you're you're a comics fan and the wachowskis are comics yeah exactly heads, you, you know? soak in all this stuff and then comics comes back out but but yeah scott mcleod had his piece of they might have been on the uh on, on the marvel mailing list when those x-men issues were yeah. coming out you yeah, know? Like yeah they yeah. were doing some of the razor line books yeah. so i was looking at that stuff man like worth a worth a an episode or two because it's the Wachowskis making mm -hmm. comics. Yeah, like, absolutely. Let's, let's look at Ecto Kid. Yo, Steve Scross, man. Shouts, man. Uh, let's get out of here. All the talk we had about shoot interviews of your. We're about to prepare for another one that we're going to record in about 10 yeah. minutes. Uh, K Fabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Jimmy, what's out there? Join me on Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg. You can download 10 to 12 of my out-of-print zines and mini-comics as soon as you join me there. You can see original art, script, process of how I make comics I make, like Street Angel, Deadly Scroll Live, Plain Janes, Octobriana, and much more at Patreon.com slash Jim Rugg. Tom? Uh, check out Fantastic Four Grand Design and uh, Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics. And uh, check out my Patreon, too. Go to patreon.com, search Tom Scholey. Red Room, the anti-social network trade paperback, hit in the stands uh, November 9th. That's Tuesday in the book trade. Uh, Wednesday, November 10th, in your direct market comic book stores. Get it while it's hot. These comics are going fast already. The Kayfabe audience, no joke, man. The Kayfabe effect, no joke. And uh, get your pre-orders in at, when you're at the comic shop for Red Room Trigger Warnings, issue number one splurge invest in the jim rug zap comics homage red room variant cover 
All these links are in the link tree in the description below this video. What else, Jimmy? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. All right, man. Give them those marching orders. We're going to be on our way. Read more comics.